Many people think that the reason they are single is because they just haven't met the right person yet. But actually, it's because they have a personality blind spot, a trait or a behavior that is turning people off and pushing them away. And in this episode, I'm not only going to help you identify your relationship sabotaging blind spot, but I'm going to share a four-step process on how to overcome it so that you can find your life partner this year. All right, let's get to it. Welcome to the Attracting Lasting Love podcast presented by coachingwithroy.com. You found the place where single adults come for mindful wisdom and insight into how to attract and create healthy, lasting, conscious relationships. And now, here's your host, the owner of coachingwithroy.com, number one best-selling author, certified relationship coach and TV analyst, Roy Biancalana. Well, hello again and welcome to another edition of the Attracting Lasting Love podcast. My name is Roy Biancalana, and I want you to buckle up because we are going to talk about a topic today that might be a little difficult to hear. It might be even more challenging to really face and do something about. But I believe from the core of my being that the topic we are going to talk about today is the most critical thing that you need to focus on if you want to find your life partner in 2024. Now, you know, I'm in the middle of a series I've called The Pursuit of Intimacy. It's a seven-part series. Today is part four. And what I've been doing is presenting to you the most practical guide that I hope leads to perhaps a complete makeover of your life, all in an effort to help you attract the love of your life this year. So I want to give you the most relevant, practical, and important pointers and insight and information so that you can finally end the crazy search, finally get off all the dating apps, and finally be with someone and enjoy that relationship, perhaps for the rest of your life. So that's where my heart is is to get as down in the dirt with you as I can and, and, and really have a conversation with you about the important matters. And we've been doing that so far in this series, but maybe this is the pinnacle of the entire series. I am hoping that you take this topic maybe more seriously than any other topic I'm going to be talking about in this seven-part series. Because what I'm talking about today is how you might be keeping yourself single and not knowing it. What I'm talking about today is what I call our personality blind spots or our unconscious love life sabotaging behavior. I firmly believe, and I've seen it in my own life, and I've seen it in thousands of clients that I've worked with, that when we have a conversation about why can't I find a partner, when we look closely and we look honestly, what we discover 
is that it's not because you haven't met the right person yet. It's not because you just haven't gotten lucky. It's not a numbers game. You just got to date a bunch, a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of people, and eventually you're going to bump into someone that you connect with. I have just found that that is not true. And when you follow that wisdom, it leads to a lot of heartbreak and just a nightmare. You end up hating dating and and because who wants to kiss a thousand frogs to finally meet a prince or princess, right? So most of the information you hear out there about how to find a partner points you in that direction. They, They tell you, you know, you haven't met the right person yet. So, you know, you, you've just, it's a numbers game. And I have just found that it's not true. And it's so easy to think that, you know, the, the reason I'm single is because the online thing is so awful, right? Online dating is just filled with liars and losers and lunatics, right? Or all the good ones are taken or gay, or my schedule and my lifestyle and perhaps my family situation, my medical situation, my work schedule. That's why I haven't. It's really easy to think that we are not able to find our life partners because of something on the outside of us is preventing it from happening. I just have honestly seen that when people really look for the truth as to why they aren't attracting and creating a healthy relationship, it's none of those things. It's never anything on the outside of you. Everyone that does this kind of work and sincerely asks the question, why am I single? Why can't I meet someone? When they really focus on that, what they discover is that they have been sabotaging themselves all along and didn't know it. That they were holding themselves back. They were blocking it. They had a personality blind spot that was pushing people away. They had something going on in their life that they weren't aware of that was inhibiting a healthy connection. Now, this perspective is not new. Because what I'm sharing is that when we say, why am I single? There's only two basic answers. Either it's something happening on the outside of you or it's something happening on the inside of you. And I'm in the camp and I've discovered in all of my experience that it's never on the outside, it's on the inside. But it's not like I'm the one that came up with that. Perhaps I've shared with you, with, with shared this with you before. But you know, my whole coaching practice, everything I do as a coach, is built upon something that an old mystic poet shared in the 1300s, right? <laughs> way before the internet, way before any modern day and modern dating dynamics and, you know, any of that crap. But 
this guy named Rumi said something 1,300 years ago that I think is a perennial truth. It's like a truth that transcends time. He said, he said, listen, your task is not to seek love. See, right there, he says, no, it's not about trying to find a partner. He said, your task is not to seek love, but instead seek and find all the barriers within yourself that you have built against it. So he saw, what, 800 years ago, 700 years ago, that when our love lives are not the way we want them, it's not because you haven't found the right person yet and you should put all your attention on how do I find them, where do I go, what do I say, how do I approach? No, he's like, you're blocking it. Love is the nature of reality. I might add there are single people everywhere. And most single people don't want to be single. They'd love to be in a good relationship. So it's not like there aren't any good available men or women. That's garbage. The question is, why aren't you meeting them? And what you discover when you really look at that is that you have built barriers within yourself against love. In other words, You're blocking it. You're sabotaging yourself. You're shooting yourself in the foot. And so today, I want to help you discover how you are doing that and then tell you exactly how to stop doing it. How about that? How about that for a purpose of this podcast? I want to help you identify the single most important thing that you are doing that is turning people off, that is pushing people away, the thing that is keeping people from feeling like they can get close to you or trust you or the thing that is keeping them from wanting to spend the rest of their lives with you. I want to help you discover what you're doing to turn people off and away and then show you exactly how to stop doing that. Okay? But here's the question I've got to ask for you before I even get into that. Are you willing to do this? Are you really willing to look in the mirror? Are you really willing to face your shit? To face your shadow? To face your dark side, your neurosis? In other words, every human being we're all annoying in one way or another. Kind of say it that way. It's like, we're all neurotic. Nobody's perfect. Everyone's got something they do, some personality habit or pattern or way of being that is annoying and, and a turn off. Okay. We all have something like that. The issue is, do you want to look for yours? Or do you want to just keep your head in the sand and say, no, I'm not, I'm not doing anything to push people away. I'm not turning people off. You know, it's, it's just the online thing is horrible. Oh, it's just that there's no good men available. You know, there's, oh, there's no good women. You know, oh, the online thing is just crazy. You know, oh, no, I work so many hours. I just don't have time or, you know, blah, blah, blah. I want to know. 
are you willing to look under the bed for the monster? (laughs) Are you willing to look for how you might be sabotaging yourself and keeping yourself single? Now, that's not easy to do. The ego doesn't like it, man. The ego loves to say, oh, it's just a numbers game. You know, you're great. You don't have anything about you that could annoy anyone or turn anyone off. You're just a 10. You know, you've got it all together and you're wonderful. Just hang in there. You'll meet someone. See, the ego loves that. The ego doesn't like, no. No, you, you got a side to you that you might not even be aware of. And people are like, ew, yuck, that scares me, that turns me off, I don't want to spend the rest of my life with someone that does that, acts that way, interacts that way. So I want to know, are you brave enough to even do this? And then, if you're brave enough to identify your personality blind spot, we could say, are you willing to do something about it? And and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to share with you what to do. And the answer is not going to be, oh, you just need to work with me. No, it's, that may be something some people need to consider, but I'm actually going to show you what to do and how to do it. And if it turns out that you might need a coach to kind of apply it with you and walk with you as you do it, fine. But you are going to know exactly how to overcome your personality blind spot without needing to work with me. Really. So here's what I want to do. The other day, I sat down with my computer, opened up a Word document, and I started just stream of consciousness writing down a list of what I just call terrible qualities. (laughs) I just started writing down things that, that we do things that I've done aspects of my personality, aspects of my wife's personality, aspects of people I've known. And then just, I just, I just started brainstorming on what are some attitudes, actions, behaviors, that are annoying, that would turn people off, that would sort of disqualify us in many people's minds from being in a serious relationship with us. So I I just made this list. I call it terrible qualities, right? Roy, you're such an upbeat guy. But listen, we, we have to talk about this stuff. Because you're not single because you just haven't met someone. You're single because you got you probably got a terrible quality. And you might know what it is. You probably don't know what it is. And if you do, you're not doing anything about it. And so you're continuing to meet people. Like you you would not believe how many people I talk to that tell me their love life experience. And it goes something like this. I don't have a lot of trouble meeting people, whether it's online or through the natural course of life. I meet people. I I go on dates. I meet some nice people. And we date a few times. But you know what? It just never goes anywhere. 
at some point they lose interest. At some point it just fizzles out. It, it just doesn't get past that one month or two month or three month thing. It's like we kind of get going. You know, I meet people, we have some chemistry. We even sometimes have some things in common and it, it just doesn't go anywhere. It just doesn't progress. And that is like, for me, it's like a ding, ding, ding. You know why you're, that's happening? It's because the more they get to know you, then they're seeing your personality blind spot. They're seeing and feeling and experiencing something that you might not even know you're doing or something you might not know is a very big deal, but they're seeing it and they're like, I'm out. I, that's a turnoff. That scares me. I can't imagine spending the rest of my life with that quality. Okay. So I just sat down and I started writing. I've got like 80 things on a list here. And I I don't know if I'll say all of them, but I'm going to go through them. And here's what I want you to do with me. Find the one that's like, that's my thing. Because if you're self-aware and you're pretty honest, you're going to recognize, you know, I can do a lot of those things, frankly. You know, I mean, when I look at this list, I bet you there's, I don't know, 20% to half of them that I can find that I can do periodically. Okay. But I don't want you to get bogged down with, oh, there's 10 different things that I'm doing, you know, that could be annoying people and turning people off and pushing people away. No, I want you to identify what you believe is your thing. Here is my most annoying thing. Here is my personality quirk or attitude or behavior that is just pushing people away. That is just turning people off. I want you to come away with your thing. Okay. Because when I get into the part of the podcast where I'm going to tell you what to do about it, you got to have one thing to work with. Now, if there's four or five things you find, then we can do the process four or five different times. You can, you can do the process and change the subject and do the work. But I don't want you to get all bogged down and get overwhelmed. I just want you to hear this list and say, that one's me. That's my thing. Okay? All right. Let me start. <laughs> here's, here's my list. All right. So the first thing on my list is I wrote down being judgmental. Right? Being judgmental. I mean, if you're a judgmental person, it's just like, ew. Right? It's just like, yuck. How about being harsh and loud? Are you harsh and loud? How about being braggadocious? Arrogant, condescending. I can do all of that. How about being critical, cynical, demanding, perfectionistic, pushy, black and white? Are you a black and white person? You know, it's right or wrong, black or white. That's annoying because it's never true. (laughs) There are nuances. To things, being pushy, being perfectionistic, being cynical, 
being critical. Do you see how those are those annoying habits that we have? And they would turn people off. They would push people away. It's like, oh, you might be great looking. You might have a great career. You might be hilarious. You, you might have a lot going for you. But what, what, if, what if you're always needing to be right? Oh, my God, what a turn off. But is that true of you? Do you always have to be right? Are you a one-upper? You know what a one-upper is? Someone says they did this or they went there and you have to one-up them. Oh, 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 I did that, but I did it better. Oh, you climbed a mountain? Oh, I went and climbed Mount Everest, right? Those types of people are annoying. Who wants to be around someone who's always one-upping everybody? Are you a put-downer? You just put people down, talking to your friends, people you're hanging out with, and you just you just put people down. Are you argumentative or debating? Are you a debater? You, are you argumentative, opinionated, sarcastic? How about this? Are you angry? Do you have a temper? Do you throw temper tantrums? You know, that's one of the things people find out after a couple of months of dating. They start to see your temper. It's like, oh, whoa, wait a minute. Um, that person flies off the handle. That person sort of loses it. That person's maybe got some anger issues. Okay. Now, if you are resonating with any of these things, the idea is not that you feel bad and feel shameful. It's just that you like, yeah, that's my thing. It's just look in the mirror and say, that's it. No shame. You don't have to turn on yourself, judge yourself, beat yourself up. This is not about self-loathing, any of that. It's just about, here's the truth about me. I'm, I have a temper and I am prone to temper tantrums. Or I'm passive aggressive. Or you know what? You know what my thing is? I'm nice. Meaning, I'm phony. I'm polite. I'm flattering, right? Being nice on the one hand can be a good quality, but you know what I mean, right? When you're nice to the point where you're kind of faking it and you're just being polite and flattering and phony, it's like, ew, right? How about being unselfish? Wait, wait, what's wrong with that? Most of the time when we're unselfish, we're repressed, we feel unworthy. We're unselfish because we bury our own wants, our own needs. We're all selfish. We wake up in the morning, we think about ourselves. <laughs> we do. I'm not projecting. If you haven't noticed this, that you spend every waking moment of your day thinking about yourself, what will make you happy, what pisses you off, what you like, what you don't like, what you want, what you can't have, who's getting in your way, you know, we're, you know, so when we're, when we're like very unselfish, that can be annoying because people can tell that we're repressing ourselves and this unselfishness can be coming from a place of, I don't feel worthy to ask for what I need. 
I don't feel a, a, a sense of self-importance or I don't feel equal to everyone else to just to show up and say, here I am and what I want matters. So being unselfish can be a very annoying thing that can turn people off because they know it's some sort of weird thing going on. Okay, let's continue. How about, are you needy, manipulative, demanding, defensive, entitled, controlling? Are you victim-y? Like, are you, are you like a whiner? Are you a poor mere, a poor me, right? Do you find yourself in conversations with people that you know and you're talking about yourself and you're kind of whining about how bad you got it and poor me and I can't believe this happened and you know you're just kind of victimy and whiny it's like ill right but that's very common how about being a blamer are you the kind of person that loves to find fault whose fault is this are you a finger pointer and a blamer god that's annoying right and again no shame I've done all these things at one time or another. Okay? I'm, I've just got a couple of them that I've mastered. <laughs> but I also know what they are. And I'm, I, I'm continuing to work on these parts of myself. Even though I'm married and my wife loves me, that doesn't mean I don't want to be an asshole. It, 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 it means I still, still want to wake up to how I can be a jackass and how I can turn her off and how I can be difficult to be around, right? I I still want to grow as a person and I still want to wake up to my blind spots, okay? Okay, where are we? Um, are you a complainer? Oh, how about this one? Are you a drama finder, seeker, lover? I mean, some people, they love drama. They can smell it. They can find it. It's like they seek it. It, it. They're always in some sort of drama, some sort of conflict. Something's going on, right? Some, they said this. They said that, right? Is that you? How about this one? This is one of mine. Do you love the sound of your own voice? Right? Do you talk too much? Are you the kind of person that just takes up all the air in the room. That's annoying to be with someone who just loves the sound of their own voice. Okay. Uh, do you withhold? Are you pessimistic or negative or paranoid? Are you optimistic, positive, or happy? Right now, I'm thinking, what's wrong with being optimistic and positive and happy? We, there's nothing Except when you're just this kind of bubbly, oh, everything's great and I'm happy and it's like everything's wonderful. And it's like, ew, you know, it's like, God, because nobody believes it, right? It doesn't, doesn't feel real. Nobody's on top of the world all the time and just, you know what I'm saying? So it can be annoying when you're playing the game of I'm just optimistic and positive and I'm just always happy, okay? Um how about, are you competitive, comparative, narcissistic? That's one of mine. Are you insecure? 
God, who's not insecure? Please. Anyone who tells me they're not insecure, I just want to laugh. Okay? The ego, by, by definition, is insecure. And you got an ego. But okay, so competitive, narcissistic, comparative, insecure, driven, lazy, jealous. Are you explosively emotional? Right? I, I'm an emotional pride. You just you're explosive with your emotions. It's like when you feel something, it's like boom. Big sadness, big joy, big anger. It's like I just I can explode all over people. Okay? Or how about if you're emotionally flatlined? You're so even keel, it's like you're boring. Like people don't even know you're there. It's like you you're 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 a corpse. You know, you don't you don't have any mood swings. So are you the kind of person that has wild mood swings? That's really annoying and a big turnoff. But also when you don't seem to feel anything and everything's okay and it's, oh, it's all right, that it doesn't bother me. It's okay. I know what they said was awful, but it's just, you know, uh, you know. And and it's like what? What are you alive in there? Hello? Right? It's like you want to knock on someone's head. Do you are you alive in there? Right? So are you envious? Are you the kind of person that always notices what's missing? You can walk into a situation, well, this is what's lacking, this is what's missing. Are you pouty? Sensitive? Do you take things personal? Oh my God. How annoying is it to be with someone who takes everything personal? Are you gossipy? Dramatic? Are you a know-it-all? Isn't that annoying? We know someone who, who they're just a know-it-all. They think they know everything. I call it also a, a splainer. What there's mansplainers, but there's women-splainers too. There are people that are just going to explain everything to you because like you're an idiot, like you don't know anything. So I know everything and so I'm going to explain it to you. It's just kind of a put-down. It's kind of condescending. And sometimes we don't know that we do that. And then people don't want to be around us. Well, why can't I find a partner? Oh, the online thing sucks. No, it doesn't. You're a know-it-all. And once someone gets to see that in you, they're like, ew, see you later. Okay? Are you, uh, are you correcting? Do you correct people? Are you doubtful, skeptical? Worried? Scared? Are you a hypochondriac? Are you scattered? Overcommitted? Obsessive? Suffocating? Gluttonous? Are you either undisciplined, willy-nilly? Oh, just, I don't have any discipline. You know, I don't, not organized. I'm just willy-nilly. I, I go with the flow. I, I fly by the seat of my pants. That can be kind of a fun quality, but it can be very annoying too, especially when you start to want to make a life with someone, okay? So are you undisciplined willy-nilly or are you structured and anal? Everything's got to be this and that and you're just, you know what I mean? Structured, anal, um, are you bossy, domineering, overwhelming, are you an overwhelming person? 
people get around you, they get close to you. You got so much going on, so much emotion, so much drama. You're you're just like over having you known people that are just sort of overwhelming. I can only take so much of them. Like maybe we've all had a friend that I can see him, you know, every maybe once, maybe twice a month. But if I see him more than that, it's just too much. They, they're just, they overwhelm me with their problems, with this, with that. So if that's you, do you see how that might be a reason why your love life isn't going somewhere? So are you overwhelming or are you overpowering? Are you a fighter, a fleer, or a fainter? That's the fear response, right? Fight, flight, faint, maybe even include freeze. But all of those can be really annoying and big turn. If you're a fighter, you always want to kind of battle and you're aggressive and you know, you're not going to get away with that and you know, I'm going to I'm going to come back at you or when something happens, you just run away and hide, you flee. You don't want to face anything, you don't want to deal with anything. Or when, when the going gets tough, do you just kind of go numb? Do you faint? Oh, I don't know what to do. I'm lost. Um, I don't know. I can't figure it out. I need someone to tell me what to do. See, these are just qualities that are like, ill, right? Are you agreeable to the point of it's almost obnoxious? You just go along with everything. You just, you know... Um, Are you a question asker? Here's my wife. My wife, she so much wants everyone to be happy that even though she knows that she wants to do something, she won't just say, I want to do something. She'll ask a question. Hey, how do you feel about doing this? Or like she knows what she wants for dinner, what she wants to make for dinner or what she wants us to do for dinner, like go out. So, uh, you know, how do you feel about going out tonight? Or do you want, you want hamburgers? And I'm like, ew. Cause I can tell she's just trying to be nice. It's like, baby, you know what you want. Just say it. <laughs> okay. I want to go out to dinner tonight. Thank you. Right. Just, Come, say what you want. And if I want something different, we'll work it out. We'll figure something out. But don't be fishing around with questions. It's like yuck, right? So these are the kinds of things that when people get around us, they pick up on these things. And it's like, eh, it's just kind of a turnoff, right? Now, my wife knows about this. Her daughter's pointed it out to her, <laughs> okay? And she she's working on it. Right? So this is not about any of us being perfect. It's not about walking on eggshells, being afraid of turning anyone off. It's just about knowing what are the ways in which I can be a pain in the ass to be in a relationship with. And I know what they are and I'm working on it. Right? You're never going to be perfect. That's not the point. That would be probably be boring. Um, It's just about really knowing 
What is it about me that can push people away? And I'm going to work on it. Okay, so are you a rescuer, a fixer, a problem solver, right? Someone says something going on, oh, I'll fix it for you. This is how you should deal with that. If I was you, I would do this, 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 and that, right? I, I didn't ask you for help. I just was telling you about a situation and you got to jump in there and problem solve. Are you anger phobic? Can't we all just get along? There are some people that they've buried their own anger. They can't handle anybody else's anger. Anger is just not okay. It's just, it's just not allowed. And can we just, can we all just get along here? And that's annoying because anger is a part of life. Obviously, there's a destructive kind, but there's a constructive kind of anger also. But it can be very sabotaging to your love life if, if, you, if you are kind of an anger-repressed person, right? Are you unteachable and closed-minded? Are you a rationalizer, a justifier, an apologizer? Or an analyzer? How about those four? Just rationalize stuff. You make excuses for yourself. It's like people are like, nah, take responsibility. Quit rationalize your behavior and and this and that. That, That's a turnoff to to people. You know, justifying your behavior. Oh, I have reasons to do what I did and and blah, blah, blah. Or are you someone who's always apologizing? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And just it's almost like you don't feel like you deserve to be alive. It's like I'm wrong and I'm bad and just apologize for everything. Um, or you just overanalyze everything. You walk around being everybody's therapist. Let me let me tell you why you did that. Let me help you understand, uh, you know, let me help you figure out some problem, right? And then lastly, are you a martyr? Are you the wronged one, the suffering one, the one that just takes it for the team, right? So all of these things are qualities that will keep you single. And there's more, I suppose. So which one of those is your thing? And if for some reason one of them didn't jump out at you, Then ask the people closest to you. People that might actually tell you the truth. Ask your best friend. If I have an annoying quality that might keep me single, what is it? And it will depend on the nature of your friendship. See, I want to be in relationships with people where they would tell me that truth. They wouldn't even have to wait for me to ask. They would just say, Roy, that's so annoying. When you talk all the time, You just love the sound of your voice. Would you shut up and be a better listener? (laughs) I have friends that would say, they have said that to me. I've had friends just challenge me on my narcissism. My best friend did that many years ago. We played golf together. And he he shared something, like the seventh or eighth hole, that was very important to him. And by the ninth hole, he said, Roy, do you remember I said something a couple of holes ago that was really important to me? It didn't even register in you. You're so wrapped up in your own little world. You're so self-absorbed that you didn't hear what I said. 
And, I, and of course, I felt awful. But he was right. That's true of me. I can be in my own little world, all self-absorbed about my own stuff and what I'm doing and and really not be available to the important people around me because I'm in my own narcissistic world. That's just the truth about me. And I have to work on it all the time. Think about if I let that quality really run my life, how lousy of a coach I would be. <laughs> so coach, you better be a pretty good listener. You better be interested. You better be absorbed in someone else's life to be present with them, right? I always have to work on that. So what is yours? What's your thing? Why are you single? Are you willing to say, I'm single because I'm a black and white person. I'm single because I'm argumentative. I'm single because I'm insecure. And it's just difficult to be around insecure, jealous people. I'm single because I'm a know-it-all. I'm single because I'm correcting everyone. I'm single because... You know, uh, I'm a rescuer. I'm a fixer. What is it? Okay, now that you know what it is, I'm going to give you a little step-by-step process on how to how to deal with it. Okay, this is what's called persona work because these qualities sort of take on a life of their own. See, when I'm in my, I love the sound of my own voice, right? It's like I become a certain person, right? Or if I'm kind of lost in my own little world and I'm all self-absorbed, it's like I become this narcissistic person, right? So it's like you develop a persona, right? If, if, you're, if you always have to be right, when you're being that way, it's like you're being a certain kind of person. No, that person, they always have to be Mr. Right. So the first step in working on your blind spot to dissolve it, or at least to kind of keep the reins on it so it doesn't keep sabotaging your love life, is to give this person you can be a name Give it a name. Now, in my love life, you know, I I did a lot of rescuing. I called myself Roy the Rescuer or Casanova. Okay? But it equally applies to these qualities. Are you critical Kathy? Are you needy Ned? Are you defensive Danny? And I don't want you to use your own name. Because this is not who you are. See, all of these qualities are things that we do from fear. We do them for a reason. We'll get back to that in a minute. But these qualities, they serve us in some way. They're, They're helping us feel safe. They're helping us feel or get approval. They're helping us feel like we're in control. 
we think they might help us connect or we think they might help us maintain our autonomy or our individuality. In other words, these qualities may be turning people off and pushing people away, but we do them for a reason. They are serving us for a reason. Now, we might need to wake up to what that is and realize it's not true. They're not serving us. But everything we do, there is a payoff to it, or at least we think so. When you know These are coping mechanisms, defense mechanisms. When you're always wanting to be right, it's because you probably feel a sense of insecurity on the inside. And if you, if you are wrong, oh my God, it's such a threat. So you have to maintain your self-image as I'm right, right? I, I know what I'm doing. I understand it. Uh, I have the, 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 the right perspective. And you're propping yourself up. There's a reason you do that. You need to be right to protect yourself against feeling insecure or whatever it might be. Okay? So that's important to know that we do these things for a reason. But it starts by giving this personality trait a name. You know, you're know-it-all. You can call yourself Neil deGrasse Tyson, who's one of the smartest people in the world. He's an astrophysicist. <laughs> Just knows everything. <laughs> so if you're a know-it-all, eh, yeah, like, I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, right? Because what we're doing, the way you break these personality habits, these personas, is we bring them into the light. See, these things are powerful and destructive when we don't know we're doing it, when we're not aware of it. I'm just a know-it-all, but you don't even know you're doing it, but everybody around you does. The people you date, they pick up on it. They're turned off. They can see it, but you can't. So this work is about self-awareness. You're trying to become aware of your blind spots. So you want to bring them into the light. These, these traits are like vampires. If a vampire is exposed to the light, it dissolves. So they only operate and have power when you don't know them. They're in the background fucking up your life. Okay? So the whole idea here is how do we bring them into the light? How do we bring them into our awareness? How do we kind of bring them out from the shadows? Well, give it a name. So you can really deal with it. Roy the Rescuer. Um, what would you call being a one-upper? Um, yeah, you come up with your own name. Come up with a name that is as creative and playful as possible. Okay? Because it is, you want to keep it playful because we're working on some stuff that's kind of dark and kind of difficult. So if you can come up with a historical name, a cartoon character name, um, you know, um, a, a political figure, a movie character, you know, someone in the world, whether they're real or made up in a book or in a movie, someone that seems to be the representation of your thing. 
So let's say you're critical. You could call yourself critical Kathy as long as your name is not Kathy, right? But a better one might be calling yourself Roger Ebert or Gene Siskel. Those names are a little old, but they are famous movie critics. All they did for a living was watch movies and then criticize them. (laughs) They were critics. That's what they did for a living. And you might find that, you know what? You're like that. You're Roger Ebert. All you do is walk around and you you say, that's a, on a scale of one to five, that's a five, that's a two, that's a one. And you're just critical. You're pointing out flaws and, oh, that's bad directing. The acting in that movie was awful. The cinematography was this or that, right? You just tear things apart. So annoying. Who wants to be with someone who does that, right? So giving it a name like that exposes it and it it brings it into your awareness because if you give it a name, you can sort of, it's better. You're, you're more likely to catch yourself doing it. You might catch yourself being critical. It's like, Oh my God, I, I sound like Roger Ebert here. I'm just telling so-and-so all the things that are wrong with them or wrong with politics or wrong with the world or wrong with some political party or whatever it might be, okay? So you give it a name. The second thing you do is you write out in one sentence how the trait shows up. So there's three parts. There's the actual trait or the behavior. It's what it does and then why you do it. What are you getting out of it? Okay, so let's take the critical thing. So the way it would work, the sentence would be, if you notice that, okay, I'm, I'm like Roger Ebert, I'm a critic, I'm critical, difficult to be around me when I'm caught in my Roger Ebert persona. So Roger Ebert criticizes and nitpicks and puts people down so that he can feel better about himself. Because that's why we criticize. We point out what's wrong there, what's wrong. It makes us feel better. We feel superior. So I'm a critic and what I do is I put people down and I criticize and tear down because it makes me feel better than everybody else. Okay? That's not easy to say to yourself. But it's the damn truth. If you identify with being critical, you're critical because it it makes you feel better than people. So until you're willing to really face what you're doing and why, it won't change. You got to really look at it and be frank and be direct with yourself. Okay? Let's do another one. Let's say that you're controlling. Okay? Now, you could, you could call it uh, controlling Kathy or you could think of someone in the world that just seems to be such a control, control freak. I don't know. You could – a politician or you know a, a CEO of some company that you just feel like they are total control freaks. So you can use a name like that or maybe someone in a movie character was really controlling uh, a cartoon character. But let's just use controlling Kathy for now. So 
you what you would say once you have that name, you would say, okay, controlling Kathy, what does she do? She bosses people around. She, I mean, how does your controlling show up? I try to make people do things the way I want them to do it. I force my agenda on people so that what? So that I get to feel safe or I get to feel powerful, right? When you're a control freak, you're doing that for a reason. It gives you something, right? It might give you a sense of security. It might give you a sense of feeling like, well, you are in control of your world. So it might make you feel safe. It might make you feel powerful. So you see what you're doing? You're really doing some self-awareness work. I'm a control freak. I'm going to call it controlling Kathy. And the way it shows up is that I'm always forcing people to do things certain ways and pushing my agenda and insisting that things go the way I want them to. And I do that because it makes me feel safe. Makes me feel like powerful because I've always felt sort of powerless. I've always felt kind of vulnerable. So I go around trying to control everything around me because I don't want to feel vulnerable. I want to feel in control of everything. I want to feel power. See, this is real self-awareness. Let's do one more. Um, What about um, emotionally explosive? Okay. Oh, you got to be able to come up with some great name for that. You can call yourself Volcano, right? You know, Mount St. Helens. Um, or maybe there's a movie character, somebody in a movie that was just explosive in their character they were playing. But let's just call it, you call yourself Helen for Mount St. Helen, <laughs> right? And you just blow up. So you would say, okay, so I'm, I'm uh, Helen, you know, overreacts and explodes all over people around her and just dumps lava and debris, right? So Helen just explodes in anger or sadness or upset over everyone around her. Why? So that she gets attention. Because she's never felt seen. Because she's never felt validated. And so these big explosions happen. Notice me. Pay attention to me. And it's like, I have all this anger. Oh, I'm so sad. And I'm just going to, I'm going to explode all over you. Because then you can't avoid me. Then you can't dismiss me. Then you can't ignore me. Right? So, is that, is that yours? So the first step is coming up with a good name. And then you want to write your signature sentence. Three parts. The name, the behavior, and the reason you do it. What you get out of it. Okay? Now, the third thing you want to do is you want to come up with a physical representation of your trait. Something you can put in the cup holder of your car, something that you could put on your nightstand, 
or on your bathroom, what do you call that, sink, sink top, you know, something you can hang on your refrigerator, something you might put in your purse or in your pocket. I remember when I was working on stopping being Roy the Rescuer, okay, Roy the Rescuer made his agenda being taking care of what a woman wanted so that he could get love, okay? That's what Roy the Rescuer was, is he made his life be about taking care of a woman so that he could get her to love him, okay? And it was all messed up because I wasn't doing it because I actually wanted to do it. I was just afraid if I didn't rescue them and take care of their kids and their house and all those things that I would never get a woman to want me, okay? One of the things I did, my coach wanted me to, get a lighter and carry a lighter in my pocket. I'm like, I don't, I don't smoke. I don't date people who do. She says, I don't care about that. She says, every time you feel that lighter in your pocket, it's going to remind you of that Casanova thing. I'm right here to light your cigarette, baby. What do you need, baby? I'm right here to meet your needs, take care of you. Every time you feel that in your pocket, it's going to remind you, quit being a rescuer. Don't fall into that pattern because this is what happens. We have these traits We've been doing this since we've been very little children. They're habits. And if you haven't noticed, habits are hard to break. So you need something physical as a reminder. It's like, oh, every time I see that every in my cup holder, on the mirror in my, in my bathroom, on the, the kitchen refrigerator, every time I – it's in my purse. Every time I see that object – it reminds me, don't be controlling. Don't be critical. You might go online and get and print off an image of Roger Ebert, his face. Put it on your bathroom mirror. Every morning you look at Roger Ebert. Okay, we're not being Roger today. <laughs> you see? So it can be kind of fun to work on these things. So that's the third thing. A physical reminder that sort of wakes you up and breaks you out of the habit of falling back into these patterns. The fourth thing is you need to tell someone close to you that you're aware of this and ask them to kick you in the ass every time they see you do it. You need a sibling, a best friend, someone that you trust, Someone you're close enough to and you need to say, you know what? I'm noticing that I'm Roger Ebert. What do you mean? Well, I'm really critical. Really? You just noticed that now? I mean, seriously? Yeah. No, I really haven't really noticed how bad it is and how much it's a turnoff. So whatever your thing is, you need to go to one of your friends and you need to admit it to them. And chances are they're going to be like, oh, really? You you didn't really know that before? Because they've seen it. Maybe Maybe they've been telling you. And maybe you need to go to one of your friends and say, you know what? You have been challenging me on this and I've ignored you, but you know what? You're right. And this is what's kept me single because who wants to be with critical Kathy or controlling whatever or narcissistic Ned or some I know it all person who wants to be with that? So I want you to know that I know it and I, I'm giving you permission to pinch me every time you see me doing that. 
or kick me in the shins or smack me or call me by the name. I had friends call me, some of my guy friends, when I started getting lost in a woman and and ignoring my own needs, my own wants, my own thoughts, and I was just lost in her life, taking care of her. They would say, hey, Roy, how's that? How's it going? They would say, hey, Casanova, how's it going with that new girlfriend? And I'd be like, oh, I'm doing it, aren't I? Yeah, you're doing it, dude. I haven't seen you in weeks. You're lost over there and, and you know, where you been? You've been Casanova, haven't you? So they wake me up. And also, we talked about this a few weeks ago in the podcast, when you confess your sins, you are healed. When you start telling people, man, I can be a know-it-all. Well, then the jig is up. You're sitting around at a party or something like that, and you're able to tell people, yeah, I can be such a know-it-all. can be so annoying. And then something happens, and you start doing that, and they're going to look at you and say, what? You're being a know-it-all. Oh, my God. Thank you. I, I, it's, see, see, I, it's just a habit. But when you expose it, when everybody sees it, it breaks its spell over you. It, it really does. So those are the four, four steps. You give it a name. You write out the signature pattern, the name the behavior, and kind of the reason you do it. Find a physical object that reminds you of it so it it keeps it on your mind. Don't be critical today. Don't be a know-it-all. Don't be a splainer, right? Don't be a one-upper. So you get that physical representation, and then you tell some people around you, this is a quality that you're working on that you want their help with. And every time they see it, you want them to point it out to you because you are going to regress and fall back into it. You, this has been something you've been doing for years, as I said. So the idea that you're going to stop doing this immediately overnight is, is a joke. You're just not. You're just not going to be that way. So you need kind of a support system around you to call you out when you're doing that. And I truly believe if you followed me in this and you've identified your basic sabotaging behavior and you do those four steps, I believe a major shift is going to happen in your love life this year. Now, If you feel this is a sticky issue and you need help, of course I'm here, right? This is the work I do with my clients. I help them name their personas, get clear at what they're getting out of it and why they do it, right? And I really help them grow and change and get out of these sabotaging behaviors that are pushing people away and turning them off. It's what I do. And if you feel like you can do this on your own, do it and invite me to the wedding. If you need help, I'm right here, right? Coaching with Roy at coachingwithroy.com. My cell phone is 407-687-3387, okay? Now, next week, we're going to talk about something that is really important. We're going to talk about confidence, confidence. 
A lot of us lack confidence. We don't believe in ourselves. It makes us unlikely to take risks. It makes us unlikely to approach people. It it keeps us from opening our hearts, right? So we're going to talk about growing our inner confidence next week as we continue in the pursuit of intimacy. And so until then, bye-bye. You've been listening to Attracting Lasting Love with Roy Biancalana. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with anyone you think might benefit from listening. Check out our website at coachingwithroy.com and tune in every week for more insights and wisdom on creating healthy, lasting, conscious relationships.